0: Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Despite the pandemic, Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. They will hold their next event in June of 2022. To support them, fans and artists have rallied together on their Kickstarter, which you can visit. The Kickstarter will run through February 2nd. Go to SoonerCon.com for more details. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Ash Conjiliando to the show, and I'm really excited because he, in a lot of ways, represents what this show is about. He's got talent, he's a great guy in the community, and there are some great insights in both movies and the real world that you're going to enjoy. Let's get started. On tap today, we have Ash Conjiliando. How are you doing today, good sir?
1: Hey, my friend, I'm doing great. It's nice to talk to you again. Nice talking to
0: you. Yeah, uh, for anybody not familiar, we actually went to college together, so we have a considerable history. Mm. But it was after graduation we started to realize how much we really had in common. That's true. Uh, One of the things that I can credit you with is you are the mind behind a great blog called Tales from the Toy Cave. Oh, thank you. And your toy collection is incredibly impressive in yeah. terms of both quality and quantity.
1: Well, I appreciate that. It's it is something that, you know, you do take a sense of pride in after a while, but it's really not done out of any sort of you know, oh, look how many I've got or look at this. And I really do try to stick to stuff that I really love. And most of the stuff you see behind me is horror films and action movies. And you can see a little bit of Superman, a little tiny bit of superheroes in there, but it's mainly Everything that I find passionate about film and a small amount of video games, but I don't collect just to collect because I know a couple people that do and it's it's an addiction. It can be an addiction. And I I know it looks funny me saying that with what's behind me, but I think I got it in line.
0: Yeah, but you can see that, number one, everything behind you there is a high quality figure. It's one of the, Mm -hmm. you know, the newer designs where everything's articulated very well. The sculpts are amazing. Yeah. And it's not just stuff it's not just you know the latest re-release from hasbro
1: yeah yeah and honestly i've got i got no problem with hasbro either and i know that they really do re-release a lot but um their GI Joe line that they're rocking right now the new classified 6-inch one is really really take me back to when I was a kid I'm loving it a lot but yeah the ones behind me are mainly done by NECA Studios which is one of my all-time favorite toy companies because as you said like from right off the bat they started specializing in the films that I loved as you see like Terminator um San and see really fast yeah I got T1 followed by T2 followed by even more T2 you know Brambo, John Matrix from Commando, you know, so it was definitely all the stuff that I grew up loving and renting dozens of times in high school, and it was finally there in physical form.
0: And yet very little behind you is in the package. You are having it out, you're displaying it proudly. Yeah,
1: um, honestly, I'm more of an out guy just because, uh, that could, that's a good drop that you should take, just isolate that audio.
0: Um,
1: but honestly, um, I was for a while when I first started collecting, I was into Star Wars and I was mainly 90 percent in the package. And I just I got sour to it after a while because it just became such a chore to try to find everything in such a package. And generally when it came to stuff like Star Wars, um, you know, there was no reason to really take it out of the package because it was a very simple articulated figure with a little blaster package with it. And so it's like all you're going to do is really see that with that thing in its hand whereas some of the more articulated figures you see behind me like you're really tempted to take those out because they come and are meant to be posed in movie accurate poses with tons of little accessories.
0: But I see something like this and the first thing I think of is this is a person who's genuinely enjoying what they do.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I do legitimately enjoy it. Um because as I said, uh, I know a lot of people who I really think don't need more and I no. feel yeah. And it's like there were people I know, like when I was I, I'm still I'm a little bit into Transformers. I don't collect them as much anymore. But I remember in this communities where they would announce a new line, people would say, like, well, there's another Optimus Prime I have to buy. It was like, no, no, you do. You don't have to. There's very few things you have to do. So I, I noticed that a lot. And I just, you know, I'm at that point. I'm like, I don't understand why you're really in it. I mean, there's always going to be some resale value. That's one of the nice things I really do like about my hobby as well is that you know if push comes to shove and some money's needed i can start selling off pieces and be able to you know do some nice things those people that feel the need to purchase every single one i don't think they do that you know because it would break the sense of you know i gotta have them all i gotta have them all and you know Mm -hmm. much as i can understand that as you can see behind me uh it is a double-edged sword and it can really go wrong like now about you do you have any uh trek toys
0: i do i've got some trek stuff I've been steering away from action figures for the longest time and directing that into cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the, the sense of, you know, you can't do it all, so don't yeah. try.
1: If it's uh, from bare minimum money. Like you're talking like 20 action figures, it could practically make one outfit if you're talking yes. really quality and you want to really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's talking a good amount of money.
0: Yeah. It's just like I'm going for if I'm going to get it, it's going to be totally screen accurate, or yeah. it's going to be something I truly like. That's right. some large amount of time and or money, depending on the balance I strike. Mm. So um, the last thing I've got toy-wise, I actually did get a DC Direct Jimmy Olsen not too long ago, just oh. because I truly care for the character. Right, yeah,
1: really close to that because he, he was one of your all-time favorites. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. I, I do like some of the stuff DC Direct is doing, but You know, just to go back to Star Trek really fast, I actually have got into it infinitely more than I ever was when we were in college. I never had seen anything when we were in college. And my wife and her family are, you know, big into it. Her dad was an OG fan from the 60s. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: talking like one of the, like, you know, an OG fan who watched it, you know, weekly or wherever it came on. And so I did start getting into it. and Man, I appreciate it so much more than, you know, I just didn't. It's not even like I under... um, that I really didn't think much of it. It just wasn't me. I was not into that type of sci-fi when I was younger. I was into horror, and I was into it. My, my sci-fi was Predator and Alien. You know, mm-hmm. that's what mine was. But uh, that was the time when uh, The Next Generation was red hot. And it was like ev- like the way The Simpsons were aired on every single network affiliate at an evening. There were also airing episodes of The Next Generation. But uh, I did finally start seeing some of them and believe it or not my first trek in its entirety was uh the Chris Pine the first one in like 2009 mm-hmm. that was the first one that I sat down and saw beginning to end and anything I'd seen that before was just bits and pieces of part four on HBO because HBO played part four like they owed it money like they really owed Gene Roddenberry I mean, like all right yeah that'll air every two hours we'll make sure of it then yeah really really got into it more than I thought I would we actually just got uh, the first four films on 4K, and I've never seen the original. I've only, because my wife was like, you don't need to see
0: Vigil.
1: Mm, I'm, like, she... I'm like, really? You sure? And she was like, you don't need to see Vigil. Let's just, yeah, just go straight to Khan. We'll just go straight to Khan. But uh, looking forward to revisiting all of them and finally seeing uh, uh, the original. I'm familiar with Mr. Planket and Red Letter Media. Uh, <laughs> He has like when you talk about the original guys, I love it. He's like, I can put this movie on, I can go out, I can do all my grocery shopping, I can get the- when I come back, it's like I haven't missed much. And I'm like, I haven't seen the movie,
0: but I know the style and I like it. Okay, well, I hope you do like it. And I mm. I don't hate it. Um, it's just here's the thing is that you, you get to see all the other movies of Khan and and the whales and the Klingons, and and then that movie, it doesn't It has the feeling of a 1970s TV reunion movie with a much bigger budget. Okay. It's like...
1: I've heard it really tries to be 2001 at times, too.
0: It does. It very much does. But I I really see it as like, you know, going from Gilligan's Island, the TV show, to return to Gilligan's Island, the movie. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) okay, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it's, it's not that it's bad, but when you compare it to everything that came after, you're like, all right
1: yeah yeah I have a feeling I'll look at it kind of like Chariots of fire. like like this would bore you to tears as a kid, but as an adult who can appreciate longer storytelling a bit more you're probably mm-hmm. entertained. yeah, I'm
0: looking forward to it. yeah there are some very good moments there's it's it's a good movie in general, but I will usually say if you compare it to have you seen Star Trek Five?
1: Um, we just didn't. She's like, there's no point. She's like, don't we we went straight to six. We went in six, we went straight to undiscovered country. and she's like, All trust. Right like that more so no i mean that's final frontier if i remember yes you. but i also remember hearing a universal of and eh, you don't need to you know, need to bother with that from what i understand from four unlike one which people call boring i mean five five from what i've heard i've heard is wasted potential i hear that phrase a lot from trek fans or the community when that movie comes up
0: i will that's- cut I said, would you
1: agree with that? With the waste of potentials, yeah,
0: waste of potential, because there were some really there's some solid material in there. And I've read several books, Shatner's Nemoy's, and and Touquet's on how it came to be. And I just feel like they they had the chance to do something really cool, and there were just some critical mistakes made. Mm-hmm. Well, it
1: makes sense. I mean, I I I can certainly understand that when it comes to a lot of my franchises, because like my core favorite comic book characters number one you know at the top being spider-man obviously done very very well other than that ghost rider eh, and uh, venom ugh, really punisher for a while was in the same category until uh, uh john Berthall stepped up now i got nothing problem with ray stevenson i liked ray stevenson's movie but i also understand why people didn't like it so i've got this thing now where I've been able to completely step back and be like, wow, exactly. What you said you had a chance to really do something cool and you swung and missed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the last Venom movie was really, really disappointing for me. I don't know if you want to talk anything Spider-Man related. I don't know about spoilers in that universe, how you handle that on this, but I don't want to.
0: I don't. I try not to get in the business of doing spoilers. I personally haven't seen Spider-Man movies for a while, so I... I'm, yeah. That-
1: no reason to continue that part of the conversation. But as you know, there are some Venom movies and uh, they are not related to the orig- origin of the character at all. They're kind of their own thing. And, you know, the first one wasn't bad. But after the second one, I was, I
0: was like, no, nah, I don't think so. But I, I am I, all right, good. I just I couldn't see how that would work. But I, I figure at some point I'll watch the movies and it'll make some internal sense. The
1: first one you could enjoy, if you at least base knowledge of the character from even just the animated series in the 90s, if you have a base core knowledge of the character and enjoy it, the first film you could probably enjoy. As I said, when I walked out, I'm like, you know what? I liked it more than I thought I would. And it was probably the best Spider-Man-less Venom movie they probably could have made. Unfortunately, I had to take that back with the second one. But yeah, when the first one is... On Netflix or whatever streaming service you got for free, and you're just killing
0: time. Yeah, start watching it. And let me know what you think. I, I will do that for sure. Because it's not that I don't want to see it, but just didn't feel that not, impetus.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not a
0: priority. The very first episode of this show, I sat down with a guy, and I, I it had been a while since uh, Justice League had been released, and okay. I I said I still haven't seen it, and he's you know said what, well, but but you love Superman, you love Batman. I know it's not the greatest movie. I was like, look. At some point, I'm going to have the flu and be on a ton of cold medicine. And maybe that would be the day.
1: <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I know there's going to be a time when I'm going to have a day to kill. And that's what I'll devote to this. And he's just not in a rush. Hey, I know that, you know, when it comes to being a DC fan, which I'm not particularly of, I'm just, I just was raised as a Marvel kid is all. Um, it seems like you guys have it a lot rougher with a lot more, um, like, debate and strife. But at the same time, you got the Snyder Cut thing going as a community i don't know whether you supported or not but that was one of those things where I thought i would have bet my mortgage like Mm -hmm. there's no way you know you're not going to influence a studio dude get the hell out of here and then time went on and time went on and i thought you know what maybe they could release this as a special feature like maybe when justice league turns five and they re-release a blu-ray or something maybe it's stuck in there but the fact that it got what it did is astounding it really is astounding and it not the whole thing is a testament to fan power because I know it wasn't always the nicest thing, and you know, you know, nerdiness can always lead to ugliness, no matter how good. But overall, it's amazing that just as a group of fans who loved comics were able to push that kind of influence at a time when
0: movie studios have been like, "What? We don't, we don't care how unhappy you are," you know. Next, yeah, so, that. I'm really- that- if that was the only positive thing that came out of it it would still be a very very positive thing seeing True. the ability yes and and i'm always always a fan of the the director getting their original vision yeah. out the way they want it to be regardless of any other circumstances that's always a good thing
1: yeah i completely agree
0: there's having said that mm. having seen Batman versus Superman, I sat there not really confident I was going to see a movie I particularly liked. Okay, gotcha.
1: You know, I, I saw it twice, once in the theater and then once uh, with Leech uh, with the director's cut. And it was one of those things where I actually did like, really, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I did clearly you know, see a difference in quality. And I did see a difference in storytelling. And I was less confused, clearly less confused and had fewer questions than someone, As someone I was told you is not really intimately familiar with these characters beyond the core knowledge. Like prime example, I'm like, he's Superman. Shouldn't he walk into that courtroom and be like, Hey, just letting you know, there's a bomb in this room. And pig, for some reason, I don't know why. You know, I'm like, he's Superman. Can not he smell this immediately and be like, we got to get everybody out of here now? And then the next, one, like, lead line wheelchair like, ah, okay. And they're like, that's just one example of what I can remember about that. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a much more concise version.
0: Yeah, and that that's definitely something I could see. Yes, yeah, so, I like so, to to clear up that to to flesh that out. I'm. Mm. I generally favor longer movies. I generally favor going with the original run mm. it was just a matter of, I didn't really care for the whole general direction of things. So I didn't see this changing the course.
1: Okay. Okay. I've been pretty sure you get what you mean having not seen it, but yeah, I mean, I w- what was the center? Was it four hours, four and a half? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a huge chunk, you know, and I understand you're talking big, epic characters, that have huge arcs that you could fill this amount of time with, but that's still a big amount of time. As I get older, I really am appreciating more and more films from the 70s that have, you know, 85 to 90-minute run times, and they're either bad or they're bang on, and you can look like, hey, this script works, you know? Uh, and that's not from the, um, the 70s, but uh, and something else I know you're positive, positively in love with, Ghostbusters. Um I, I just really found out recently that when Venkman walks into the Cedric Hotel and says, Hey, anybody see a ghost? Apparently that is on the timer, like exactly going from 29 to 30 minutes. And it's like at that point, it's one thing like it couldn't be more bang on perfect in terms of timing. And we were rewatching it uh, recently before we went to see Afterlife. And that's right. I just kept saying, I'm "Like God, is this script tight? I'm like God is this script move you know it's to the point where i almost wish it would slow down for 5 minutes here and there like i would take an extra 2 or 3 minutes but it was one of those things where it hits the ground running and you know god i, I, for, I mean i didn't forget how great it was but it's one of those movies where every time i watch it from beginning to end i'm not only reminded how good it is but what a special effects symphony it is so like it, the, the the, the original Ghostbusters is in there with the original Terminator, to me, and be like, they really are both two examples of absolutely every trick in the book that existed at the time they were made being utilized to make an absolutely epic movie. And I'm, I don't know about you, did you get in on the box set?
0: For Ghostbusters?
1: The new Ultimate set that they've advertised, and I'm sure that's the one that's got all the controversy attached to it.
0: I'm due. I still have them on DVD. I never upgraded to Blu-ray, so... Ooh. I'm I, due for for something new.
1: Yeah, very nice. I was, I only got the original on uh, Blu-ray. I never upgraded to the other one, but um, you know, I hope you get it. It should it should retail for ninety. And the last time I looked, you can get it for like one sixty. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, as soon as they made the announcement, I'm sure you heard about the controversy surrounding uh uh the 2016 film with the set or no? I do know about that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, basically, as soon as that was announced, it made the pre-orders, any, anywhere that were left, immediately sold out, and the aftermarket value shot up, and now, yeah, I think Amazon has them listed for, like, 150 which is, you know, really obscene, and again, that's another example of nerd culture that stinks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: really, really shake my head at, and, you know, it's like when an actor dies, you know, their action figures go through the roof, I'll never forget, I'll, I won't name the store, because there's no reason to, but I had um, I had a large-scale Hot Toys Mandalorian on pre-order with this site. And the day Chadwick Bozeman died, they changed the price on all his merchandise to, like, damn near triple digits. And it was like, all right, there you go. This is one of those moments where, you know, I'll be sad to see the toy go, but no, you're not getting my money anymore. And as I said, like, the dude, like, people weren't done wiping away their tears over the announcement, and they had already changed the price. It's going to happen naturally we know that from baseball cards and you know all sorts of collectibles when a person dies but as i said like the ink didn't even dry you know as the saying goes and they changed it so i was like nope i'm done and i feel that that same kind of greediness took a hold here with this set all based off of a controversy that at this point is five years old
0: Mm -hmm. that i mean how did you feel about that 2016 film okay i'll tell you it's nuanced I liked mm-hmm. it. Okay. I liked it. I had a, I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. I liked it in the sense that I thought it was a great movie I could watch on a Saturday afternoon.
1: Okay. I get you mean. It's a fun movie.
0: The original Ghostbusters is a masterpiece. Mhm. I didn't get a masterpiece. I got a fun Saturday movie. So Right. I get you mean. It, Yeah. It's like it's it's good but after waiting twenty-ish years for a sequel, I kind of wanted more.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um if I don't know if you ever played the video game that came out a, a few years prior. Mm-hmm, I did. Um, so yeah, that was to me in my mind, I'm like, as I was playing, I'm like, well, here's part three. I'm like, mm-hmm. We're getting it. But my thing with the twenty sixteen film was uh I had no problem with it being an all-female lead because each of those actresses has made me laugh and other works that they've done very hard. Mm-hmm. excuse me um you know and it's nothing it's not even that those four were not funny there were other funny women like cecily strong from saturday Night live had a cameo in there and she was very funny so the people in it were very funny i just think that when you go from gozer the Gozarian, uh vigo the carpathian to roland you know the guy who's mad people make fun of him so he builds a ghost machine you're kind of inherently stepping down and story quality there Mm is tone that as you said this is a more fun movie and as i said you did enjoy it but i see you're not in your head and i'm like you can kind of get what i'm trying to say even i'm articulated that there's kind of a step down in tone and therefore in my opinion quality a little bit with that storyline and that fact that there's just way too much improv the improv needed to be reined in And that was, you know, just an editing and directing choice that, you know, I just don't agree with. They're all funny actresses and I'm sure did great improv. But it was one of those ones where I really think, like, you just you let them play too much. They needed to be just reined in a little more. But, you know, and it was not the, you know, it did not deserve any of the ugliness it brought up. And it was a prime example of the age old lesson of, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all Mm. in So just being outrageously like Mark Hamill said infamously about the prequels he's you know, I I forget the setting, but I remember the club. He's like, you know, far more beyond like, I didn't enjoy them. You know, it's like, you know, we really should stay at that level. But, you know, um, yeah, no, I understand why it was. I understand why it was not included in this set, because uh, it doesn't say the complete collection. It says, Uh you know, so that ultimate has different definitions and, you know, That's why I understand it. And at the end of the day, they did include it. So it is going to come anyway. So at the end of the day, it is going to kind of be complete.
0: And that's great. I I remember when I first saw the trailer for the 2016 movie, I said to myself, and this was a good thing, it looks like an episode of the TV show. It feels like an episode of the TV show.
1: Yeah, it looked like a live action Extreme Ghostbusters. I remember. Yeah, I absolutely understand what you're saying. I remember other people saying that at the time.
0: Then I saw the movie, and I ended it thinking that felt like an episode of the TV show.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. I never even considered that, but now you're right. Yeah, like that really was a 90-minute cartoon.
0: Which, had I known that going in, might have been a little better. It's just like I said, I wanted Mm -hmm. something to stand on the same pedestal as the original, or even at least maybe the second. And now I'd like to kind of check it out again I, gang, I liked it. I truly did. It just wasn't quite right. the, what I was looking for.
1: Yeah, no, you get you. Um. Again, you say, give it a second view. You know, it's not like a uh, doubtful that you're going to be like, oh my God, I was wrong. I absolutely love it. But, you know, you'll appreciate it for different things. You know, it, as I said about tone, and it's something that doesn't get talked about right, both of the uh, intros to Ghostbusters 1 and 2 are not played with any laughs. They are straight up played for scares. Mm-hmm. The- the doesn't come until the theme music plays. And even in the first one, we don't know anything, but it, we just by the tone of it, it's much more upbeat. The library scene, straight scary. The carriage in the street, straight scary. The afterlife scene, I, I, you did see it, right? I, I, not I, yet.
0: Yeah. I, I got the 4K pre-ordered. It's going to be in the mail shortly.
1: Okay, you have not seen it. Okay, no. then I don't want to say anything else. But prime example, the first two movies, scary, opening with really no gags the whole opening of ghostbusters 2016 is loaded with gags and some of them were pretty funny i remember there's some gag about you know like building up, up the building is like on the bones of dead or immigrant children i don't even remember it was some, but there was some joke about immigrants dying building it and i was like all right mm-hmm. you know that's a little dark that's funny
0: i remember but, laughing at that actually i remember laughing yeah. at that a lot
1: that's side splitting but it, okay
0: um but yeah it's,
1: it's just different tone
0: different tone I mean, there were so many neat things with the visuals. I, I It's the only time I've ever seen this done, but it was... The movie was shot 235 to 1, if I remember correctly. 2016? Uh, yeah. Okay. And as I'm watching it, I'm actually noticing ghosts escape out from the screen and into the letterboxing effect on my widescreen TV. Really? Yeah. I, I actually had to wa- pause it and check, but yeah, it does. And there are times... That it actually tilts diagonally, rocking back and forth with some of the motion. I'm like, that's the neatest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah. That's clever.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. Consider, I mean, considering, you know, every time I think of the original Ghostbusters, I got to think of the great scene when the ghosts are running amuck in that blue one with mm-hmm. the big comes up out of the subway. And you can clearly see his animation cells. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean... I don't know, go back and look at me, like, there's something like, ooh, I mean, you can see the full-on square around them, like, you can tell, like, oh, it was really rushed. But, um, yeah, like, the design of some of them were kind of cool, like, they were translucent and, you know, because it did kind of take the look of, it did look like they were trying to somewhat emulate the ILM, you know, puppet that will then be, you know, a physical puppet that is then amplified with effects to make it look like translucent. It did kind of look like that, even though it is full-on CGI, which, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to get into that again, you know, CGI versus practical, it's as old as the hills, but it is one of those things where I look at movies from, like, I look at Jurassic Park, I'm like, why is the CGI better than something that came out last month? You know, why does that happen? And it's something that's legitimately 30 years old now.
0: Mm -hmm. It's, you're really making me think a lot here, and you were saying before that you didn't get into Trek for a while, and now you're super into it. And I could actually say the same thing about horror. Oh, nice. I, I was not a horror guy for a long time, and I'm still not, but I'm around so many horror fans that I'm picking it up through osmosis, and it's kind of fun.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because that's the thing. Horror is like any other genre where, like, there are so many subcategories once you get in there and start looking around, you know? <laughs> I'll just start with the Monster Squad, you know. That's part of horror. I mean, I understand. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that one.
0: You're talking about the the classic Universal Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman.
1: Uh, Monster Squad, the one from the '80s, or the kids. Oh,
0: okay, sure, sure. Well, I've seen that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's legit scary at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, great horror, no, but it definitely has horror elements. So that's what I mean. Like, you know, oh, that's great. So, what have you seen that you can? Have you sat down and watched anything as a result? I like. All right, I will try this
0: i have again the classic universals monster squad uh lost boys oh okay nice big fan of lost boys um have seen the the original halloween okay that's which it. i know is ages ago but i i could get into that just because to me i don't even see it as trying to be fun scary i know it, it was at the time but to me i can just see it as a cinematic play really
1: yeah you, just because of its um The way it all looks, you know, in terms of the cinematography.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just, I just, I have a hard time seeing it as being scary, which is okay because I still, still, I see, I just like it as the story from it. Mm. No, no, that's very, you
1: know, that's interesting. I mean, because I think Halloween, I know some people who don't find, like, they're not scared at all of it in the sense, Mm -hmm. I find it scary in the sense that it disturbs me, but, you know, they still love it. Like, you know, I, I, I appreciate it, you know, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't, you know, make me afraid. Um, right. yeah, I mean, the classic universals are great. you can you can't go wrong with like the all of the first entries in the big franchises, Texas, Nightmare, Friday. you really cannot go wrong with any of those first entries when it comes to two number two entries, text me, or sorry, like we'll talk about that. Which ones you should see, which ones you shouldn't see, but honestly the the first on all of those big will not let you down. um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, what else? What else did you say?
0: The Scream series from the 90s going forward. Definitely my jam.
1: OK, you, so you do enjoy the whole series.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: OK, I'll share with you my opinion on Scream, which is kind of controversial. But I, I do find a couple more people enjoy it as I get older. I absolutely love the first Scream. I think every frame of film shot after it is garbage. I did not enjoy any of the sequels. <laughs> Excuse me. For the simple reason that, and it's kind of hypocritical, and I'll address that, is that it just, in my opinion, you kind of do a disservice to all of the great connections to the interlaced story of Billy angry at his girlfriend's mother, you know, all of that in intertwined. You kind of ruin it, by just like, yeah, we'll do it again. You know, we'll have another intricate story where, because the second one basically involves an angry mom just finding a college student and be like, hey, do you want to do a murder? I kind of want to do a murder but that's also what the first scream is and that's what i want to say about me kind of signing a little hypocritical was that it's basically billy and stew saying hey do you want to do a murder i kind of do so i get that what i'm saying may not be you know is a little bit there's a hole in the logic but it is just how i feel i think if they had done something were like you know like what they did with halloween and like if this new one ignored the others and was a direct sequel to the first one i'd be more interested but i'm thrilled that it's doing as well it is scream was a shot to the heart with adrenaline that the horror community needed when it came out and it literally kept the genre alive you know for a decade plus to come and it's arguable it's arguable so you know i really respect everything it is but for my personal taste i only watched the first one fair enough you know, I, I'm intrigued to see the fans' reaction to this one because, I can, because as I said, like Halloween, which I am a huge fan of, it's that level of fever with all my friends who love horror online. They are really chomping at the bit for it, and I hope it's everything they want it to be.
0: That's something I would like to ask. I brought it up on the show with other guests, and it's something I th- I would like to get your take on because you're very introspective about why you like this stuff. So I try to be. I'm going to give you this. Okay. I mean, in the other stuff we like, the Star Trek, the the other genres, films, reboots are taken very personally. <laughs> if they don't go just right, people get pissed, oh, and you. they they miss more than they fail. Let's be honest with you here.
1: Oh no, question. That's not a, that part's not up for debate, really, in terms of you know box office receipts and fan scores and overall. Yeah, it's it it's not up for debate that they are mainly misses and few hits. That's absolutely true.
0: But with horror, it seems like there's almost an immunity there, like there they can't be enough reboost. there can't be enough sequels, because it's accepted that at a certain point it's just going to get silly. And it's almost like you're on a roller coaster waiting for that drop, and you're good, you're, they're there for the drop almost. Or am I just not seeing this right?
1: No, I feel you. I think part of it, I think because horror is so prone to sequels as a genre is why it is so prone to so many reboots, because it's like, you know, you've seen eight different versions of it already. You know, why not another one? I mean, because you can look at series like Texas Chainsaw, you know, that had long pauses in between its releases. And, you know, never was rebooted. It was kind of, well, now we'll do a part two, now we'll do a part three. I think because of that is why the horror film is so prone to be remade. And also because horror is a genre where people discover old classics that they never knew. Prime one being Black Christmas, you know, which is an absolute phenomenal film. And it was remade a couple of times. And from what I understand, I didn't see any remakes, but none of them quite got it right. But it's just such a core good idea. And that you know, that's why they keep getting remade. I think is just the ideas are just so core scary that they want to try again. You know what I mean? Even if it's something that really kind of worked but didn't work at the time. You know, they'd be willing to try. A prime example would be stuff like um, the town that dreaded sundown. You know, that was a cult movie from the '70s that I wanted to see when I was in high school that I could never find because it was high school before the internet came out. It was like. All right, what are the three blockbusters in your area have? If They don't have it? No, nope, sorry. It looks like you ain't seen it, you know? So when I finally got to see some of that stuff, uh, the movie that comes to mind is When a Stranger Calls. And I don't know if you ever saw it, but like, yeah, that was remade as well. So smaller movies like, you know, The Town of Dreda to Unknown and When a Stranger Calls were remade along with the huge pillars like Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Nightmare on Elm Street. So I think it's just because the ideas are core scary and they're just they're prone to sequels anyway. It's just it would be an easier pill to swallow. You know what I mean? It's why it's why oh, those great comedy remakes. Can you? Yeah. Can you name one good comedy remake? Not really. Yep. Uh, and it's not and I'm not trying to say that to really sound like, yeah, I want to crap on that or, you know, it's not, really not. It's like, no, because they just don't stick, you know. 21 Jump Street, I'm yeah, I'm sure it was great. And it's like, oh, 22 Jump Street. <laughs> Fabulous. You know, it's like it's there's something like that where like I'd be infinitely more willing to go see a horror remake, not just for my personal taste, but then something like that, you know, because we know from experience those movies aren't funny. You know, they're not funny. And you can enjoy them in certain ways. And I'm not gonna, I mean, let me I shouldn't say they're not funny definitively, but mm-hmm. They contain a style of humor that you can tell people just are tired of pretending to laugh at.
0: The, I'm sure it wasn't the first one, but the first one that put the reboots on my radar and, and told me this is going to be a thing in your life was the Beverly Hillbillies movie from the early 90s. <laughs> That's actually enjoyable. It uh, is.
1: But- yeah, that is an enjoy That is another example of what you said about Ghostbusters Twenty Sixteen. Like a fun Saturday afternoon. I'm gonna maybe you know clean the kitchen in the background, but I'll have that on.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a fun movie. It's funny. It's got actors I like. It's got a decent story. It did nothing wrong that I can think of. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I haven't watched it twice. Yeah, okay. it's it's like okay, it's it's there, but. I will watch the TV show any day of the week. Yeah, I know. That's a good point,
1: the way you're putting it. Yeah, like, exactly. As soon as you mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, that was good. You know, like, I I enjoyed that, you know, because honestly, you know, of all the shows I watched on Nick at Night, all because I think everyone in our generation grew up watching a handful of old sitcoms, mainly Mm -hmm. on Nick. But, you know, whatever your local affiliate had was also fed into your rotation. I never saw the Beverly Hills Billies except for, like, once or twice. But yeah, it was perfectly enjoyable. Yeah, you get a point, I was like, are you gonna buy it? I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. But yeah, like, yeah, nothing against it. Um, I think when it comes to remakes, this is something I've been saying for the last few years, and I think it's valid across the board. Remakes are like classic cars versus modern cars. In particular, think of muscle cars, like stuff from the 70s that was remade in the you know early aughts, like that. You can get one of those 1970s Camaros and you can park it in your backyard and you can get one of those brand new Bumblebee Camaros and you can park that in your backyard and you can enjoy both of those cars for completely different reasons and own both of them and love both of them. Really. I mean, like it, it's an unhealthy thing where we have to pick one and it goes back to our core, you know, schoolyard. What do you like more Pepsi or Coke, Nintendo or Sega Genesis kind of divide ourselves as a mm-hmm. tribality. I think it's just the same thing. Um, but we got to be ready to, you know, be blunt but honest. You know, I'm at the point, as I said, I'm it's profanity a lot on the show. I didn't ask. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I just realized I just didn't ask. Um, I used to host a podcast called Shitty Movie Night. Okay, I literally didn't blow out my voice, but came damn near to blowing out my voice yelling about the episode of The Fog remake because The Fog by John Carpenter is one of my all time favorite films. You know, just absolute top five, maybe even, you know, top three, if it you know, comes to it. And the remake was an absolute punishment from God in my eyes. And I was, you know, just yelling about how horrible it was. And, you know, I don't know if you remember if you ever listened to any of those old episodes, but mm-hmm. like I didn't yell a lot. But it was like that one. I was just like, oh, it's terrible. And the next morning I was literally rasp. I'm not reached that point anymore. But, you know, I'm, you know, to be stern but blunt, you I mean, excuse me. Stern but fair in your criticism of a movie will never, you know, not be appreciated. But, you know, I understand the
0: jokes, too. Well, let's look at it this way. We were just talking about you saying the fog offended yeah. you greatly. It was a punishment. Oh, and it was a it was
1: offensive. It was offensive to your sense of logic that you had when you were watching cartoons five. But sorry, go ahead. So,
0: I one of my all time favorite shows is Get Smart.
1: Oh, classic,
0: yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, this movie, this show, rather, was just kind of, it had another moment in the sun when Nick and I put it on, then it went away. Yeah, I always loved it. Couldn't get it on DVD. Couldn't really find any real source for it on the internet. YouTube wasn't around yet. Mm-hmm. The Steve Carell movie comes out. 2006, six mm-hmm. seven somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I had a Beverly Hillbillies experience with it. Oh, really? Because yeah. I actually did not see it. it. It was okay. It was good. Okay. It, it was like, you know, I like everybody in there. They're all doing great stuff. Didn't really feel the need to base my life around it.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, that's just honestly, I remember hearing it. it said, Steve Carell as smart and, you know, Anne Hathaway as 99. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great casting. You know, I
0: like, mm-hmm.
1: immediately picture both of them in those roles. I'm like, all right, that's good.
0: But here's the thing. That movie hits, and there is a DVD box set out on the street three months later.
1: No way, really. Yes.
0: So the nice. movie that I could take or leave leads to the DVD set that I've wanted for 15 yeah. years. Nice. Very, very so, nice. So sometimes you got to look at the long game when something like that hits. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially,
1: you know, if you want to talk about the long game, you know, If you'd have told me when I was a kid, like, hey, one day there is going to be a Star Wars theme park that not only has a life-size Millennium Falcon in it that you can go in. There's going to be a hotel that is going to make you feel like you're on a space cruiser the entire time. And you don't want to go to it. You know, I I never (laughs) thought that would happen. I never thought that would happen. But I think Star Wars is an example of something where, like, yeah. There's a lot of complaining about that, but we're getting a lot of really good things out of it as well. Like the push that, like, yeah, Force Awakens sucks. I'm like, yeah, but now we also got the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? So it's like we're getting good things as well. If I, I think I understand the point you were laying down. yeah. On. Well, you know, any sort of attention to the property or genre brings revitalization.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: not the exact way you wanted it to. How did Se- you the sequel trilogy?
0: Uh, well, I actually liked The Force Awakens a lot. Okay. I, I,
1: liked I liked it a lot, too. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I walked mm-hmm. out much happier than I thought I would.
0: Um, now, I was coming at it from a place of somebody who didn't particularly care for the prequels. Oh, yeah. Very low expectations, so it really made me feel good to see that. The second two movies, I, I liked for their own reasons. Here's my big problem with the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. is that it is not a trilogy. It is three very good movies that really have nothing to do with each other.
1: Okay, I can feel that. Yeah, yeah. Say, I only saw the second two once each, mm-hmm. so I have you know an extensive knowledge of either of the mother. than is remembering the core events, but I do I get what you're feeling now. Like yeah, those didn't feel like it. That didn't feel like a, a three act thing. I saw So it still looked like three movies that. They had the same characters in them, and it seemed mm-hmm. like... Rest, but, yeah, there wasn't the feeling of a, a, a neat little triangle like we usually get. I can feel that.
0: Once I got over the need to have the triangle, I started really digging them a lot more. Okay. Okay.
1: I, um, as I said, really saw them two, uh, the, the last two ones, and I really, I just them. I was really disappointed with choices. As I said, my big disappointment with uh, the sequel films, and it may be a little selfish and maybe makes sense, is I didn't see what I wanted. You know? That and happens. Know, that is not... Exactly. Said. That happens a lot in movies that can still be very good, and I can still enjoy them, but, you know, I just didn't see what I wanted. I'd forgive you, you know, killing Han if you gave me Luke, Leia, and Chewie with Finn and Ryan and our new characters in the cockpit saying, alright, we need to do this for Han. You know what I mean? There was... Never the reunion of the characters that I wanted. And a hug between Shuey and Leia ain't enough.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know what I mean? That was the end. I mean, the stuff with Leia and Han kind of breaking up, I like that. Like you said, like that felt right to me. That stuff all felt good. I wanted more. You know, as sure. that Luke came in, we didn't get any of that, you know? So, you know, I, 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 should re, I should re-watch them before I make any comments. But that was my main criticism is I really did not see what i wanted but i did kind of get that in the first one mm-hmm. you know and i and i felt you know i liked the direction they were going, even because it was literally just you know let's say like you know it's just the force awakens you know with a coat of paint on it <laughs> did you ever hear comedian brian possein do his bit about his friend and he talking about the force awakens no i have not heard that uh, first of all if you're not familiar with him uh, i'm sure you may be the guy from I think it was Carolina City. I don't yeah. remember what sitcom he was on. Big nerd comedian, lovable guy. He's great. Mm. Done multiple bits on Star Wars, and when he loved The Force Awakens, and he had a a friend that he couldn't wait to talk to about it, and he was like, "Dude, Force Awakens, I loved it." He said his friend looked at him and went, "Man, I fucking hated it." And they said they proceeded to have a 20 minute friend argument that got play ugly at times, and his friend's make Christmas goes, "I saw this movie in 1977." I saw this movie. He goes, I just want to see like it was just comfort food. And Sam was like, Oh, you mean like mashed potatoes? Yeah, who would want a whole plate of that? You know, the people. There's a reason it's comfort food. But um, I liked what they did in Part Seven a lot, you know. And I do respect, you know, the idea. I love that the, you know, the Empire did not go down as easy as you thought it would it would in a lot of real time wars. But yeah, I, with what you said, it did not feel like. other movies i wanted so i just didn't watch them but you know i mean didn't watch them i um didn't like them i have not watched either of them a second time so i can't comment on more than that babu frick was awesome i do remember liking i'm like any any small little puppet i'm like it was a live action puppet cool i like it i'll watch it do stuff you know even if i didn't really enjoy the movie then Um, that was the lady who did moaning myrtle mm -hmm. well i'm like that really impressed me yeah But uh, I think your point was very valid. It didn't feel like a proper trilogy in the sense of an act of three. They felt like three movies that stood alone. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I didn't enjoy them. But yeah, no, that's a good point. But you said that once I got past that, I enjoyed it. I should try them again. I really should try them again. But
0: um, uh, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. That's fair. I mean, there's going to be time. There's a whole (laughs) bunch more content out there. I, you know what, uh, I
1: need to also see the third, what was the name I forget of the third Chris Pine Trek? The one that was like- Beyond. Beyond, that was it, that one I didn't see yet. Yeah, I just saw the opening scene. Cause somebody said that, they're like, you haven't seen it yet? And they sent me that opening scene on the planet where those, I'm like, oh dude, this is so good. So I do need to watch that, but I heard that one was more divisive than the other two.
0: Well, uh, everybody seems to agree that the first one was very, very good. Mm. The second one stunk, and I, I put an asterisk by the stunk because mm-hmm. I like the second one. and The second one is held back by really bad sense of spoilering. In that, you know, I'm st- okay. Do you know who Benedict Cumberbatch plays? You oh, the movie? oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, everybody knew it was Khan. It was yeah. not a. It was not a surprise. It wasn't even that well hidden.
1: They advertised it when they were cast in the movie to try to hype it up. Like, oh, and he's Khan. Yeah, like it was no secret.
0: No, it wasn't. But they kept treating it like it was, and that drug it down. And I didn't see him as Khan. Much as I liked that actor, I didn't see him as Khan. So that didn't work. Yeah. But the story itself, I did like. So Mm -hmm. it was – a. and then the – most people i've talked to did like beyond and say it's probably if not the best of the three as good as the first
1: and that was the final right after anton yeltsin passed away
0: i believe they were like we're not gonna they keep making rumors that they're doing another i don't think it would make business sense mm. Mm.
1: yeah i mean he was arguably the best the best part of the first film mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, he legitimately looks like you don't even look, you know, you don't look old enough to drive a stick shift. <laughs> you know, I'm all the hallway going, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. That's great, man. That was really great. Yeah, I do want to, I should, actually, I'm going to go down and look and see if, you know, Beyond is on any streaming service. I do want to get into that again. I also, not to, you know, not to cut you off, but it was a valid point. Uh, I saw Into Darkness mm-hmm. shortly Mother died. So uh-huh. I was in states where I realized, like, I have a whole... Years worth of movies that I need to go back and rewatch with a fresher mind, you know, because there was just whole sections where I would just blank out and, you know, stuff like that. So, and Into Darkness was one of them when I finally rewatched it. It was like, oh, all right, you know, this is, you know, my first viewing is probably fairly skunked because of my mindset. So when my second viewing, I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this a lot more. But, uh, it, you thought you said you thought it stunk mainly just because of, yeah, the main spoiler and you didn't see Cumberbatch as Khan. Yeah, it, it is. It is a very, just regardless of visual personality, it was very different than uh Ricardo. Mm-hmm. And Ricardo was just
0: oh, dude, yeah, I. To me, and I remember walking out of that movie thinking that was great. So, I, again, I'm these are minor criticisms in the grand right. scheme of things. Right. But I, I, it's like, you know, he had a very strong personality. He, the character himself is huge inside. You can't just say, well, he, you know, yeah. he kind of softened up a little bit. That's not a softened up kind of guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Khan walked in. I mean, the first scene where he walks into the, the derelict of the Botany Bay, he walks in like an emperor. He's covered in stuff, and they wait until, like, he hasn't taken his mask off then we will speak you know it's like yeah he, he carries an air with him he does um yeah I'm, I'm as i said we just grabbed those in 4k i'm really excited to see that again man man yeah trek was just one of those things where i'm looking back on it now and i regret not getting into it sooner you know, not getting into it sooner because i've been told as i the only and i've seen none of the tv show practically i think i've seen two or three of the classic episodes so my knowledge of the characters is solely based on a small handful of films and I'm enjoying it that much. So it's really one of those things I should just go back and rewatch everything.
0: Well, I wouldn't feel bad. I would envy the journey you're about to take because there's going to be so much that you can catch up on. And, and there's going to be so much you would appreciate now that we we enjoy TV that's, you know, told in long story arcs and we binge yeah. it now. It's it's designed for that. So you're going to have a good experience like uh I remember like even it's just from pop
1: culture like even I know that there's a classic episode of The Next Generation which I've never seen a single episode of but I know the sure as we're sitting there there's a scene where they go to a bar and they go back in time to the 60s track and they show a Klingon and they're like yo to the the guy I forget who's the main Klingon like that's a Klingon and he's like yeah, it is a Klingon. It's like, why? How have that happen? He's like, we don't like to talk about it. And I remember hearing that scene, like, that's great. It was like, just accept it, nerd. Just accept it. Go back to eating your dinner and enjoy it. And it's 6.30. It's 1991. You've got your homework done. Just enjoy it, all right? Just enjoy it. But, you know, that's what I mean, like, the show is so iconic. I know that scene's in there, and I've never seen a single
0: minute of it. So. Sure. A- yeah, you'll definitely enjoy it. And I will tell you, you know, probably another five to six years after that, they finally get around to talking about it. So.
1: Oh, a more like a more detailed explanation of why that is. Yes. All right. Cool.
0: Very. You're going to enjoy that too.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I mean, how long was the Next Generation on the air? It seemed like. I mean, I remember because it was airing when we were kids. It seemed like it was on for a long time, like seven, eight years. Seven years. Mm -hmm. It was seven. Yeah. It seemed. I mean, yeah. It seemed like one that was on throughout the whole nineties. And I mean, that was a great time. I remember there were so many little shows that were popping up. With the next generation because it seemed like what we're saying about scream gave horror kind of revitalization in the 90s it was like the next generation did that with some other son because that gave us sliders and millennium and you know like all those other kind of shows that you know probably there's no way when those shows were pitched the next generation
0: referenced as part of the reason like here's why we think this would work i've been telling people that the 90s was kind of a mini golden age for sci-fi just because i mean if you could stand it being made slightly on the cheap Maybe a couple minutes too short. Mm. It was it's a great time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, it's like they probably just went back and looked at original track. They're like, all right, what works? What doesn't work? Obviously, we gotta up the budget for some of the sets. We gotta up the budget for this. But the core ideas and you're like, hey, what if you're on a spaceship and it's just this part broke and this planet just don't have it? You know, what are you gonna do? You know, to get off that of those course still great. I'm uh as I said, I I wish I could go back to certain things uh, and enjoy them, like the first time you said before, like something like Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I don't know if that was one of the ones you ever watched. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess that was one of my favorites, which is what led to me loving a lot of his movies. And again, as I said, being so disappointed when I found out what I did find out about him. But Tales from the Crypt was this, directly I loved was because of uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And yeah, I was like, that was the 90s as
0: well, and man, the, the games- reboot. Uh, I, I, now, we talked about the mixed blessing that is reboots. Oh. I, right. I would be careless if I did not mention the 90s reboot of The Outer Limits. You know, I didn't see it. Okay. Uh, I, if I'm going to be a liar about, re- like, that was a great, great reboot. I mean, you talked about that. how. Yeah. I have heard that, yes. Okay. I got to list. It's one of those shows that almost every episode had a sad ending, and you liked it that way. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like, it was Twilight Zone level twist every time. I was about to
1: say, that kind of reminds me of the Twilight Zone, like, nine times out of ten, you and the character are getting a kick in the balls, but you really enjoyed it, and you can't wait to come back next week. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no ice. I'll definitely try that. Um, oh, dude, we were watching, Jen and I were watching the Twilight Zone uh last year at some point cuz it we we were, I forget what service has it but we they have it all so we're like hey let's just start from the beginning and we were watching it in the early early ones that were still made with film you know and the way it looked i mean it was just crazy and how good those early episodes were and you know, like that's a show that i know has been remade multiple times you know I, and none of them ever stuck
0: mm-hmm.
1: again for the same reason and i don't know why they retold the same stories But, you know, it's an example of why some things work and some things don't. You know, great example of a remake that does not need to exist and is a good example of the 1998 Psycho. I don't know if you ever saw it. Um, I know of it. Okay. I'm not exaggerating when I say that it is damn near a word-for-word remake of the original and shot for shot in terms of spacing, like it really was like a project where they said, "I'd say we need to replicate, not remake this movie, replicate it. We need to replicate it entirely." And to the point where I just remember thinking, "Like, it's just too similar," you know. I'm like, "It's it's not that I'm not enjoying it. The performances are great. Um, the original Psycho, I recommend so much. I can't even. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't know mm-hmm. if you get okay." Um, William H. Macy plays the police, um, plays the private investigator, Arbogast, in the remake. And he just grand slams it. He grand slams it. So the performances are great, but I'm like, you're literally just saying the same words. I don't care. You know, no matter how well shot it is, everything, it's no joke. It's, you know, word for word, the same thing. When it comes to remakes, I always recommend one above all others. And it is horror, so I'm assuming you haven't seen it. But the original was old school. Night of Living Dead. Night of nah. Dead. Okay, you didn't see the original from 68?
0: No, wait. Uh, I'm not sure, actually.
1: Okay, um, 1968, black and white, starts with a brother and sister in a graveyard. They get yeah. chased by a zombie into the house. And there's people in the house. They're boarded up. You know, it's George Romero's classic film that started it all. In 1990, that movie was remade by Tom Savini, who is a special effects master. who did Friday the 13th. You know, he's done, you know, he did George Romero's other movies, you know, Dawn of the Dead, you know, in 78. And he did Day of the Dead in 85. He's just a master. In 1990, he remade uh, Night of the Living Dead. It's one of the best remakes I've ever seen because it gives you everything you loved about the original, but changes enough that it's a different film. And, and not different in the sense that you know, oh, the original Night of the Living Dead it ends and the sun rises and some events, and in this one they fly in a rocket to Mars. It's not radically different, but enough is done with character choices that it makes it worth seeing. in the dialogue change. So I, that is my go-to example when people talk about remakes. I'm like, go watch the original Night of the Living Dead from 1968, which is in the public domain. You can watch it on YouTube tonight. And then go watch the one from 1990, which is in color, and that was the whole big thing. Was for years, when there was no remake craze, and people in the horror community would talk. They'd say Night of the Living Dead. They'd just say black and white or color, mm-hmm. you know, because that was like the only real remake. And I really do think it's a sterling example of how a remake should be made in terms of your co- what what was the core of what made this movie great, It really made you remember it, and then sort of like, all right, how can we play with the personalities within? it's all character changes that are there like little you know things that i and i don't want to give away but that's my go-to example of how you can do a remake and really make it work and awesome i recommend it highly well that's an assignment i'm going to take on board really i mean honestly and i i mean it when i said like i'm going to go start with Trek. i'll start as there's no reason to start anywhere other than the beginning i think it's all on paramount now right i believe since they launched their own network yes so basically it's like i'm either buying them or i'm getting a prescription to plus which i know my brother has so i'll try to borrow that frequently but yeah i'll definitely start with that if you want to start with uh night living dead which is my personal favorite film of all time number one all time i will never not be tired of it it is everything i love about film in and of itself in one great package from 1968 that is also a classic it's worth its
0: praise so. Well, Ash, I'm going to take this – I'm going to t- t- put some notes down. I'd like to get back to you on this after I've done some watching. Maybe I'd like to talk to you about Trek a little more.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. If you We'll talk off – if you want to do something like, all right, after you see XYZ movies and I can see the following episodes, yeah, we'll set something up.
0: All right, let's do that.
1: Hey, man, my pleasure. Listen, hey, it was oh,
0: – Before you go, where can people find you on the web and track your adventures?
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, I am on Twitter at ode to ash That's my – main social media is what I'm most active on. Um, my website is just at TalesFromTheToyCave.com. It has not been updated in a long time. That is restarting this year. It's one of my New Year's resolutions where I'm going to try to just go back to core reviews or talk about some of the stuff we talked about um, tonight. Um, I was typing up something that I was going to post about Ghostbusters, but unfortunately something happened on the sidelines that distracted me because I was so you know, enthralled with uh the nostalgia that came up with afterlife so i am gonna definitely going to be more active on that but ode the number two
0: ash o2 ash at twitter is the best way to get a hold of me awesome well thank you so much for doing this i would love to have you back once we do our research well i appreciate that I man i'd love to
1: love to be back i really appreciate you know the invitation i've always respected you not only as you know, just as a guy, i you always know, a very kind and respectful guy, I respect you as I said a nerd. I respect you as a voice in the community, no matter how loud or small it may be, it doesn't matter. I like when you say, in terms of, you know, you know, here's how we should behave. You know, you I say I think you're a sterling example of how as I say, you can criticize without being a dick. And you know, I think you're a good live post for the community, man.
0: Well, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. All right, awesome talking to you. I'll talk to you. Talk soon.
1: All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: I would like to thank Ash for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. This is the first Hungry Trilobite of 2022, and right now, it would be worth taking just a minute to kind of remind you all of what my release schedule is like. I try to put out an episode of Hungry Trilobite every week. If it's a new guest who has never been on the show before, I release that on Thursdays. And if it's a guest who is returning to the show, I release that on Sundays. This episode is the first in a line of about nine episodes I have lined up, so the next couple of months are going to be fantastic. At the end of February, the world situation being what it is, I intend to be on the Star Trek cruise, so I hope to have a lot of Star Trek content lined up immediately after that, but I will not fail to mix in the regular other episodes, and I do have some more fans for healing episodes lined up beyond this. So. Sit back and enjoy the ride. You could subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you could follow me at Aaron Bossig on Twitter or email me bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time.